swords with handle art to spar trolls and charge tolls to cross roads with bandits are catacombs and giant doors protect the chest of stores from legendary items with the dragon bones and iron it's horse. a grand theft of elk scrolls simon's quest with toe and earl rock shoes to ever clue easter eggs and gaming news the potus needs some bad dudes to crash crew like bandicoot all shit a game in english control issues Control issues. Yes, yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Yes, yes y'all. y'all. Well, this is Control Issues. I am the AMC. And this is A Dub. You can find us at control issues.com. You can also go to your podcast provider, whoever that may be. Look for Control Issues, download it, subscribe to it, rate it, review it, give us five stars. Do what you do. Head on over to Twitter. My Control Issues is the handle. You can also go to twitch.tv slash control issues pod where we put up gameplay videos for your viewing pleasure uh we got some stuff up there for you to enjoy hope to hear some feedback amc how are you living oh living well living great uh you know april's april's looking good you know things getting a little more optimistic in some places um still got some issues that we got to deal with in the world but of course yeah on a on a personal level yeah things are starting to look great um and yeah, just enjoying enjoying what I have, what I'm currently experiencing. I can't wait into wait to get into what I've been playing, a dub. But um, uh, how you how you been? Uh, I mean, doing great, man. I'm somehow I'm still losing weight, tightening up, getting leaner, getting this haircut even tighter, looking fresher. I went just, to the uh, I took Theo to the botanical gardens they they opened up a butterfly exhibit <laughs> so oh, that was amazing. awesome yeah that was awesome so he got to he got to walk around the, the weird part about it was i guess we said it early in the morning it was like 9 30 and from what i learned i guess butterflies are cold-blooded so there are just all these but- butterflies on the ground uh so first of all i thought i was like damn all these dead butterflies but they're like actually no they're like cold-blooded so i guess they're on the they're ground trying so, to get the heat. yeah and so then you're in the exhibit and you're just tipped tippy-toeing everywhere trying not to kill butterflies mm-hmm. and because of that like i couldn't really let theo run around inside the exhibit so you know just it was it was fun but for him it was a little bit uh i guess constraining a little <laughs> so, restrictive yeah restrictive so he wasn't he wasn't too happy about that but it was it was great it was nice to get outside and see things damn i might have to go to a butterfly exhibit oh man yeah <laughs> I'm saying, hey, Dub, I think that might be a good date idea. That might be a good <laughs> date idea. That is an idea. Where is it located? It's uh, in Palos Verdes. Uh, is it by the Botanical Gardens? It, it's, it is the Botanical Gardens. It's, uh, it's oh, they have, a, they have a section. Yeah, they op- They just opened it. Oh, they should. Yeah. So, and then uh, I, I imagine you saw like the peacocks and everything uh they don't have peacocks there at least that not that i'm aware of they uh, only thing i've seen are basically like lizards <laughs> like uh i think rabbits are around oh, you said palos verdes yeah palos verdes uh, but, i'm thinking pasadena so yeah yeah i think uh yeah pasadena might have that at their botanical gardens you know i might oh, have yeah, to go hit key. up that 
might have to go to the Pasadena Botanical Gardens, they do. <laughs> yeah, do that. I, I love that place. And it, they have the wild peacocks running around, so you definitely want to have Theo under control. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Because I don't know how the males go react to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know uh, if they get aggressive and territorial either. I don't I want to be dealing with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, that's yeah, awesome. Speaking of a dub, what have you been playing? Oh, man, I've been waiting for this one, boy. Uh, things have changed quite significantly in a dub setup because I finally hooked up, booted up, and dug into the Xbox Series X. X, X, X. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, got that. It's 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 unbelievable. I can't say enough about it. It really hammers home what next gen is going to be all about for from now until, you know, when the Xbox Series XX comes out or whatever. Whatever's next, but currently Series X kicking ass boots up almost immediately it really it it really strengthens the relationship between the gamer and their content because one big thing that's a significant change for me while gaming on this system is that it you take it for granted with the playstation 4 with the xbox one is that like there's a lot of time on those old consoles where you're just waiting for the console to do what you told it to do. If you tell it to close the game, you have a second to check your phone, take a sip of some water. If you tell it to boot up a game, you got a second to check your phone, look at your computer. You, know, you, you try to get into a game, you got a minute or two before it loads up. Uh, you try to go to a new app or get something going to, to watch on streaming, you got a minute or two to do little things and basically take your mind off of the loading. With the Series X, that is virtually eliminated because I'll pick a game, I'll reach for my phone. By the time I touch the phone, like as soon as me and the phone start exchanging molecules, game's already gone. And I was like, oh, time to play the game. Uh, I'll switch to another game, use that quick resume, thinking I have a second, I'll reach for something to drink. Oh. The game's going. Let me get in my game. I'll I'll switch to Netflix. Like, oh, it's already there. Like the streaming apps perform much more smoothly. Everything is just snappier. There's there's virtually no waiting. That's something that has just genuinely taken me by surprise. That's the one thing that I'm most thankful about with next gen gaming at this point in time. Now, you're probably asking yourself, well, they dub. What is it specifically that you're playing on the Xbox Series X? Well, I'm going to tell you. I've been playing the shit out of Forza Horizon 4. Now, this is an Xbox One game. It's been enhanced for Xbox One X. So that means that I get access to that best version through Xbox Smart Delivery. And I got to tell you, I mean, it looks and plays as if it was designed for next gen. Like, it, it's... As far as I'm concerned, it's an X-Gen game. I didn't have an Xbox One. I stopped playing Xbox at 360. So I get to enjoy all the Xbox One goodness in Xbox Series X greatness. So playing the hell out of that, I, I, bought, the, I bought the Ultimate Edition of the game. 
it was on sale. Uh, it, luckily, the time that I got the Series X, there was also an Xbox Live sale going on. So I was ready to drop 100 bucks on the game. Got it for like 60 Un- Unlocked all my content, loaded everything in, got into the game. And I had a driving itch. I was looking for Forza Horizon 4 to scratch it. Forza Horizon 4 has given me the, the deep tissue massage for my driving itch that I didn't even know that I needed. Like this is a spa day for a driving itch. I'm just, I'm face down. I got my head in the hole. I got the hot stones on my back. I got the, I got the blonde Swedish guy just really getting into the knots in my neck. It, it's unbelievable. I mean, I, I have a bevy of cars, all of my favorites. I've got, I got, Ferrari, I got Ferraris, I got Guineas, I got four or five eight Italias, I got Huracans, I got a, I got a Dodge Charger Hellcat that I haven't even that I ain't even drove yet. I got, <laughs> I have so much stuff. I got hatchbacks, I got muscle cars, I got classic cars. The game is constantly rewarding you for what you're doing, and it's also constantly giving you things to do in order to earn more rewards. So, you know, it's an open world racing game. Only experience I really had with those was Burnout Paradise. And I get that experience. With Forza Horizon 4, it's like, you're you're always getting points for doing tricks. Like if you, maybe you took a turn too hard and your, your tires start sliding, that counts as a drift. You get points. You, you drive on the wrong side of traffic, like, oh, you're getting a little daring, you're getting points. You just missed a car. You just missed a head-on collision. You're getting points. <laughs> You're driving down the street. Even the even the ambient traffic, the NPC cars in the game, are challenges and races that you can engage with. At any point, you can see a car driving in front of you, and they're doing their thing. It looks like some of them are racing sometimes. Other times it looks like there are just straight up races that are happening and going by you in the opposite direction. Uh, some cars drive far more aggressively than others. You know, they they have different difficulty ratings. There's easy street races, there's medium ones, there's hard ones. And you definitely want to have the appropriate car for the appropriate challenge level. But yeah, you could just drive along, challenge a car, and then that's a race while you're on your way to another event or another landmark or another property to buy or you know another another expansion hub where you can jump into the different content that also comes with the ultimate edition which includes the the fortune island expansion haven't experienced that yet the super seven expansion haven't experienced that yet and the lego speed champions expansion which i just dug all the way into that's on the stream, twitch.tv slash control issues pod. And it's, you get in there, it's Lego to a T, but it's still Forza. So you're looking at these toys, you're thinking, oh, I'm, I'm gonna just do what I want with this around the track, do power slide, do donuts. Nah, son, still Forza, you still gotta drive it right. It is still a robust racing experience, but you have the charm and the appeal of that Lego world, you know, everything's made out of bricks. You're, you're smashing through trees and guardrails. You're going on super jumps. You're, you're breaking your own car. <laughs> it's, it's fun and it's silly, but it's still a quality racing experience. So loving the hell 
out of Forza Horizon 4. I can't say enough about it. You know, I paid a little homage to to my dog that passed a few years ago on my license plate. So, you know, as I'm racing around, I get reminded of my buddy. And then uh, Forza Horizon 4, outstanding experience. I also purchased Sunset Overdrive. Because I never got to play that game, you know, Insomniac, they made an Xbox exclusive. I always wanted to play it, never had a chance. Now I do. Again, I get the best version of it through the Xbox Smart Delivery. Gotta say, it's very fun. It's extremely refreshing. It's a nice, just silly game that doesn't take itself seriously it's all about that traversal you know hopping hopping and grinding on anything that you can bouncing off of cars beating up monsters shooting wacky weapons all over the place it continues to move you forward with different objectives different goals different things to collect different challenges to take on uh, you got plenty of customization overall it's a fun experience you can even see some of the influences on the Spider-Man game that came from Sunset Overdrive. So that's also a nice little, nice little Easter egg for myself. Overall, I am highly enjoying my Xbox experience. Can't wait to add a PlayStation 5 to the setup and get a new television in order to really be able to enjoy the current gen of hardware to its fullest. But AMC, what have you been playing? Oh, this was a this is a good weekend, Dub. So I've been playing uh, three games. Um, two I don't really have to get into. Uh, one I'm playing some Fire Emblem Three Houses, kicking ass there. Won't say mm-hmm. much there. Super Mario 3D World game is still kicking ass. Uh, we actually went back. We um, found a couple of levels that we hadn't gotten all the stars on and all the stamps. So we're doing all that. We're we're somewhat near the end of the game, I'm assuming, because this the world that we're at, it doesn't even have like a world number. It's just a castle and the number. So I think it's like that means <laughs> we're going we're going to go take on Bowser. Um so yeah we're just pushing forward enjoying that game. But the big one that I started playing A dub Nintendo hit us with a with surprise this week. And you know I had to hop on because it had a game it had a property that's you know a license a property that's been around since we were kids but then they slapped mm. on that nine to nine at the end of it a dub <laughs> and this one being pac-man nine to nine <laughs> you know what i saw that and i didn't pay it any mind but tell me about this i'm it very is, interested it is so good it is <laughs> It's it's so damn good. Um, yeah, so they put out you know the the OG, the one that that hit it off that you know um, put everybody on this. Okay, these these battle royales they're now starting to hit a place where it's not about just you know camping and shooting people. We can just do any game and have a, a battle royale interface with it. And with this one, uh, the one that came out first, that being Tetris 99, you know, super successful. Mercer and I played the shit out of it. Um, then they came out with the uh, Mario, I want to say 35 or something along those lines, but it was a Mario battle royale game. Uh, I played that. I played it once and, you know, oh, not once. I played it one day and I got into it. I enjoyed it, but it was centered around Mario 1. And, you know, 
it just it didn't connect with me the same as tetris possibly because i played so many different mario games whereas there's really like only one tetris and so when you hop in you just enjoy that whereas when i got into mario it was centered around mario one and so you know it just uh you know just didn't connect with me the same but still enjoyed that and then they dropped this one and i gotta tell you this brings back all the good feelings of tetris 99 but with pac-man so to set it up it up uh it's a lot of the things that you got from Tetris 99, they brought over to this one, that being that uh, you're still, you're playing against everybody else. You can still fuck up everybody else. You have your options of attack, which means, or you have your options as far as you can choose to defend yourself. So if somebody in this game, how they fuck you up is that as they eat the frightened ghost, you know, you know, the blue ghost, comic Pac-Man, your ghost is blue. Uh, as you eat the ghost, you send the, you send over um we'll just say ghost pac-man to the other players that you're what? currently trying to attack and those ghost pac-man uh they go after your pac-man and if they get you they don't kill you they just slow you down and so oh. if you eat like a train of ghosts then you just send over a bunch of ghost pac-man and then you can completely slow down their pac-man now the way to combat the ghost pac-man is that every time you eat a pellet it'll wipe the board clean of any ghost pac-man so you're always um keeping those not any pellet but you know the super pellets mm -hmm. so you're always keeping those super pellets in mind not only just for eating ghosts but also for clearing the board of any ghost pac-man uh it's funny saying pac-man uh then on top of that uh they have these uh added boosts so you can eat these ghosts like there'll be these random ghosts they don't move they're just on the map and they show up kind of like just like pellets and if you eat them it adds basically ghosts to the uh you know like the the red ghosts the the pink ghosts i, I forgot all their names like blinky pinky and, and stinky whoever um you can add ghosts onto them so it's kind of like a ghost train so that then when you eat the super pellet you're now instead of eating one ghost you're eating like eight ghosts so you're eating a ghost that's how you build up the ghost train and so with that you're not only attacking the opponents but then if they're attacking you and it's building up a, a bunch of ghost pac-man if you eat a ghost train it'll basically eliminate those ghost pac-man from showing up on your board so it's mm -hmm. it, it's in way it's offense and defense so that's why you want to set up that ghost train and then get as many ghosts at one time in order to either defend or to attack another guy so um and then what's also dope is so you know how there was the fruit in uh, pac-man they're just basically uh like point bonuses and this one what they do is if you eat 50 percent of the board the pellets on 50 percent of your board then uh it will, it will spawn a fruit and then if you eat the fruit then it replenishes all your super pellets which make the uh you know the blue ghosts the frightened ghosts so you're always trying to focus on eating basically 50% of the board so that you can replenish the fruit so then you can eat the fruit and then bring back um, the uh, the super pellets, which then boost you, obviously. So there's a whole strategy with that then, like how you kind of clear out the board while also getting the ghost trains to defend yourself so that you can then kind of get the fruit, get the ghosts, finish the like complete half of the board and then, you know, rinse and repeat eat the fruit and then everything um and then what gets pretty difficult is in later on in the match i guess eventually i'm not and i'm still not really sure how this works but i guess if you get enough badges or it just gets later enough in the match those ghost pac-men they start turning into 
red pac-man and instead of slowing you down they just take your ass out <laughs> they, just, they just kill your ass <laughs> yeah and you can't even um when you get the super pellets it doesn't take out the uh you can't eat the uh red pac-man all it does is it stops them in their track so even then it's still clogging a lane that you then can't go down if you then freeze up the uh red pac-man so that kind of fucks you up in its own way uh the only way you can clear out the red pac-man is once again by eating that fruit you can clear out the uh, the red Pac-Man and you know replenish your board with the uh, super pellets. So it all of that comes into play, and it is it the matches. I'm not going to say they're quick. It's about like five minute five minute matches, but they are addictive because like you'll you'll lose and it's immediately like ah ah. So like Marissa and we have Marissa and I we have like our our, our rule that basically if you finish higher than uh, 60 it's at a 99 player so if you basically get finished like within 60 to 90 that basically means you had a really short run and you played like shit so you get to hop back in for a second play but uh when you do lose it's like when you do get to like 10th or whatever and you get knocked out it's like god damn it like i know i can do it just let me get another shot and you can't do that. it's that <laughs> like, ridiculous <laughs> Yeah, I've only played it for one day. I've the best I've gotten is I've gotten second three times, but Ooh. I still haven't won a match yet. I still haven't gotten that royale. Um, so that's something to work on. Uh, I will say Tetris. It I want to say it took me like a month, if not like more, for Marissa and I to like get our first like first place finishes. But this Pac-Man, uh, we're already closer to winning, which is great. Um, but yet it's still a really tough game. I'm really enjoying it. They have uh, it's free to play technically. You have to pay for uh, Nintendo Online, which is $20 a year, but it comes with Nintendo Online and they have these um they have paid content within it uh, where you can get uh, <laughs> you can make it so that the uh, instead of a Pac-Man avatar, it's like uh, it's Bomberman or they have like Galaga, I think. And then uh, I, I forgot what the other game is. So like the, sc- the screen changes and it's not Pac-Man. It's like uh Bomberman now like uh yeah, clearing out the screen yeah. or it'll be uh like you know the shit from Galaga so that's awesome uh it's it they it, this one is definitely a hit it's uh I can't wait Marissa says she's going to play it while we're recording she can't she can't wait for me she's like fuck that <laughs> <laughs> trying to get her runs <laughs> yeah exactly so i will say Pac-Man 99 is it's going to be on my game of the year list. No doubt about it. It's a, uh, it's yeah, absolutely yeah. amazing. <laughs> I, it sounds phenomenal. Like it's like you're saying it's right now, like people are performing however they're performing, but over time as people adapt to all the new mechanics and the different layers of strategy, it's going to become far more decisive and deliberate with how people are playing that game. I can already imagine that it, like there's going to be people who understand how to read the board and like, okay, now I see. Okay. 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 <laughs> yeah. Cause I remember like with the original Pac-Man, there was something I believe uh, that where people basically just had it down. Like this is the route you go. And if you go this route, you'll basically never be taken out by the ghosts. And then that's where like Miss Pac-Man comes along, changes up the board and then kind of like, um, defeated that like idea um introduces but, ai <laughs> yeah exactly but yeah with this one because you're playing against so many people you have the red pac-man you have the ghost pac-man you you can't really have one way of playing it but as you're saying like you can come up with the strategies as far as 
eating the super pellets, getting the ghost, building up the ghost train, clearing out the ghost train, clearing enough of the board while you're doing that to then get the fruit to then replenish everything and then rinse and repeat. Like you can get a rhythm in that way. And that's where the strategy comes into play. Like I didn't even get into the fact that what uh, none of like Mario or Tetris didn't have this. They also added more options um, strategically as far as boosts. And so with that, you can choose to play standard which is like normal speed and this is like you can you can change these on the fly within a match uh to adjust to the moment so there's standard which is normal speed pac-man which is cool because you have no downsides then uh there's four options the other option is speed which means you move faster on the board but the downside of that is you're producing less uh ghost pac-man for the other players so you can't be as offensive also it uh, takes away from your defense of you know uh, countering ghost pac-man because you're you're producing less to then counter the ones that they're sitting your way uh the other option is you can be stronger which means that uh you basically eat less ghosts and you'll produce more Pac-Man, uh, ghost Pac-Man to attack the other players. The problem with that though is your your super Pac-Man phase, basically when the ghosts are blue, lasts is a lot shorter. So that one is highly, um, it's like risk and reward. It's like all, all the offense, but you're losing all the defense in a way. Um, and then the other option was train, which means you can build a bigger train of ghosts so eating eating the ghosts we'll just say pellets on the screen will then build a bigger train of ghosts to then when you get the super pellet to eat down they said the downside of that though is i as you eat them you'll produce ghost pac-man on your screen so mm -hmm. it's a very much uh like a full offensive style uh style of attack the thing is though if you eat the uh, super pellets you can clear the ghosts uh the ghost pac-man so yeah it's I haven't gotten into all that. That's why I didn't really discuss it because that's that's its own level of strategy in itself. But yeah, they they give you a ton of options to to move between to really take advantage of certain situations and scenarios. So there's basically classes and play styles. Oh yeah, there's so much, and it's it's still just fucking Pac-Man, which is awesome. <laughs> so AMC, let me ask you this very important question: Which other games would you like to see receive the 99 treatment? I mean, I could totally see them like doing something with like Zelda down the line, especially Zelda like, yeah, yeah, like especially <laughs> with the uh, you know, like the original Zelda, like the uh, the top down, da, yeah, da, 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 da. or even a link to the past. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like not not new Zelda. It would have to be like the top down style and kind of like you're just working your way through it. There's no end to it, but you know, you can get buffs. You can get like the Master Sword, which then gives you projectile attacks. But as you're clearing them, then maybe you're sending enemies the other players' ways, and it's kind of a it's basically a survival style of game. Um, you I know what thinking, I would like to see? Yeah, what would you like to see, Ada? I'd like to see Demon Souls 99. <laughs> I, I, I've actually heard people bring that up, like, what that would mean. Like, who knows? But that would be super awesome. Just sitting, sitting more demons their way, and you're just, you're now working on crowd control. <laughs> sending more demons people's way, and then also just out of nowhere, buffing the demons that they're playing against. <laughs> they got the red eyes or whatever. The glow yeah, like, eyes. you're fighting, you're doing good, and then suddenly it's just... <laughs> <laughs> and it's tougher oh that would be awesome yeah like, I see like maybe traps or like send a dragon 
and then even with that like what you're saying like with the different like you could actually have different classes so you could choose like i want to be a ranger i want to be like more of like a a fighter like a knight style of guy like a tank um i want to be a, a mage style of person uh, style of fighter you could really like work in different different uh ways to play that game that would like improve your survivability what's the one you you were saying you want to see uh, the other one, I was just because Pac-Man, I was just like Miss Pac-Man was such a perfect game. Miss Pac-Man was such a perfect game. I would love to see like even just a mode added for Miss Pac-Man within Pac-Man '99. I think would be absolutely awesome because Miss Pac-Man was perfection. <laughs> you know, one game that I think would be perfectly suited for the '99 treatment and would also be a perfect opportunity to reintroduce people to the IP. Bubble Bobble '99. Oh yes. You get the ghosts like coming at the <laughs> You get the ghosts and like it, it's the it's the perfect kind of game because you can drop in extra enemies, you can drop in power-ups, the bubbles already turn into like things that you pick up and, and get more powers and get more points. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, and and that has been one thing is they haven't had a uh, co-op like 99 and so that that would be an option for a co-op mm. version of the 99 franchise <laughs> oh i'm not i mean bubble bubble 99 plus one <laughs> yeah plus one <laughs> oh man yeah there's so many games that like especially it, it's like for some reason it's perfect for retro games uh demon souls obviously being a newer style of game but it works really well with those retro games and a way to breathe new life into them without having to really change too much of the uh original experience i want to see dead space 99 (laughs) (laughs) as you're playing cutting them up but like sending more into people's games and they just start busting out of the vents (laughs) yes Oh man, that would be. And like, maybe there's one persistent boss that, like, if you outwit him, if you outwit him or escape him on your game, like the regenerator, the boss that you can't kill, if you outwit it or escape it on your screen, then you send it to somebody else's screen. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So it's always on somebody's ass. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it'd be a good one actually. As you say, that would be like a Diablo like 99 where you like what the nemesis system and all that but like they just keep sending guys at you like riff style <laughs> as you're trying to clear them out and as you clear them out though you can get the uh what is it the what were those boosts called where you just like were you oh, like the nephilim glory yeah the nephilim glory you could get those style of boosts and just start taking out like a ton of enemies with the with the lightning coming off your body <laughs> mm. or yeah. even make it so that like you start diablo 99 where you're facing off against regular enemies and then it'll throw an elite pack at you and if you clear out that elite pack then it turns some the same number of regular enemies into an elite pack in somebody else's screen so it's it's constantly like throwing more elites at different people but (laughs) then but if you beat them then you get more loot and you get the loot you power up it's more easier to be more enemies more elites so you start seeing more elites to more people's game <laughs> yeah because that, that was what like pac-man does really well now and tetris did really well is that you could fuck somebody up by sitting more blocks their way and building up like the blocks on the lower part but if you suddenly start clearing that out like say you've banked uh 
the the long line and you start tetrising all those lines then you're just sending that all back their way and so with that what you're saying with diablo is they can start sending elites at you but if you're in the middle of say like a, a nephilim glory like run or like or you just have like a ton of great um a ton of great uh items like equipped then you're just taking down those elite just as quickly and then sending them back the other way and then fucking them up so you turn their their attacks into your offense yeah i mean the only the only hurdle there would be to figure out how to make it so that people can quickly assess what new equipment is worth equipping or not so i'm guessing maybe the only things that drop are things that are as good but different or just better overall than what you currently have equipped yeah or like some type of like optimization like system where it just automatically optimizes um to the better equipment but yeah as you said in a way where you're not necessarily you can only play the witch doctor a certain couple of styles like you wouldn't have that type of um I guess that type of uh, adaptability, yeah, flexibility (laughs) to like certain situations. Um, But yeah, that'd be great. I think 99 is definitely kicking ass. You find the right franchise, you find the right license and you can do something great with that. I believe this one was made by Bandai Namco. So this is uh, obviously not the same people who did Tetris necessarily, but they, uh, they got the spirit correct and it's absolutely awesome. It, is that only available on Switch or is that on other platforms? I believe it's only available on Switch um, uh, as far as Nintendo. everything that I've read. Nintendo. Yeah, they, I, they're doing a good job. I, I, when Nintendo Online first dropped, I know people said like, uh, like it's, it's very minimal. There's not much going on here. Why would I pay for this? And then they came out with Tetris 99 and then they added the NES and Super NES games on it. They're still adding more games every now and then to, uh, like new NES and uh, Super NES games. So they're, they're just slowly building this awesome online platform that ne- isn't necessarily built around playing games like Splatoon that you, ne- that you would need it for. It's its own thing, which they're doing really well. And so, yeah, it's, and it's only 20 bucks a month, so it's worth every penny now. <laughs> but A-Dub, Damn. let's get into the topics of the week. Topics of the week. You want to lead off? Not a very busy week. <laughs> yeah, not, not a very busy week, I, guess, I must say. Uh, I guess let's start small in the yes. So start with a pretty easy one. Death Loop has been delayed again. Yeah. Dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, so Death Loop has been delayed yet again. It was already coming out May 21st. Now that's been pushed back to September 14th, 2021. In a statement issued from Arcane, they're saying, we've made the decision to delay the launch of Deathloop to September 14th, 2021. We're committed to quality and preserving our team's ambitions for Deathloop while ensuring the health and safety of everyone at Arcane. We'll be using this extra time to accomplish our goal, create a fun, stylish, and mind-bending player experience. We apologize for the extended wait. Thank you all for your passion and excitement. It is the fuel that powers our creativity and our hard work. We can't wait to show you more of Deathloop Sue. AMC, does this change when you're getting a PS5? <laughs> no, not at all. Deathloop's <laughs> one of those games. It's uh, like on and off my radar. It looks like great. Um, definitely not day one-ing it. Um, it, might, it. You know, it, 
it's probably gonna be one of those games that um i'm gonna wait and hear what the uh I guess the feedback is once people get their hands on it and have really like put, uh, and have really um, given some, you know, well thought out impressions and not just the uh, initial reactions. That's when I'll consider buying it. The game looks fun as hell. Um, It's just, I don't really know what's going on other than, you know, that gameplay mechanic that is kind of the, uh, the selling, the, like the selling point of the game. Uh, But I, I still need to see more, but, so yeah, I don't mind. If anything, I from what I read, it was coming out like around like Resident Evil Village and another game. So now, uh, it'll have those games will have a little more breathing room. And yeah, when it comes out, we'll we'll see. How about you? Where are you at with Deathloop? Well, um, there might be a little conspiracy theory here. Oh, I got yeah. one. I got one brewing. Now that we got so much space with our with our new president, who's boring and effective. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there, uh, there, there's a little idea that perhaps maybe since the acquisition of Bethesda went through, maybe Microsoft decided to push that PS5 exclusive a little further back. Uh, now, now they're trying to they're trying to bury their own game. <laughs> you know what? The game's not coming together the way we thought it would. We, it definitely was canceled. Yeah, but we just we have this Microsoft exclusive coming out now. <laughs> yeah, but Starfield's coming out. <laughs> oh yeah. man, I, yeah. What you say? As uh, I feel so good being at the very least situated to be able to enjoy the next Elder Scrolls and the next Starfield in the off chance that they do happen to be Microsoft exclusives. But man, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that was just a refreshing thought for me. But yeah, this the complete conspiracy theory. Don't quote us. <laughs> well, the thing a, too is... It's just like, a funny thing to think about. Yeah, because also, like, isn't it... A, it's a timed exclusive, right? That I'm uncertain about. Okay, because I... If it is a timed exclusive, all they would be doing is delaying when it shows up to Xbox as well. But yeah, maybe they 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 delay it so that the argument like people can still make the argument like where where all the ps5 exclusives like there's nothing to play <laughs> what happened but, uh, to Loop? <laughs> yeah yeah uh but yeah i don't i don't know about that that's that's a funny conspiracy theory <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah, man. oh man uh i guess i guess i'll stay on the small end I'll, I'll stick with the quick hits for our next topic of the week top topic of the week apex legends news yes uh, the developers are working on a system to compensate players who are affected by cheaters. Oh. Specifically, the quote says, we're currently looking into what we can do for players that have had their game impacted by a cheater. This might look something like retroactive loss forgiveness where you'll get your RP back if we find that you had a cheater in your ranked match. So that's oh, pretty that's cool. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's reparations, baby. Exactly. I mean, normally these kind of things work at the moment moving forward, but to to see a developer try to apply restitution for affected gamers retroactively, that is very is very encouraging. That's awesome. So salute to our people over at Respawn. Yeah, it's a, that's, that's a good games. thing. I mean, like uh I believe there is a story that you discussed like the one of the other weeks where was it like sony or like they had like an anti-cheat like company that they're working with that developers could uh basically get in contact with and implement into their games for the ps5 um 
so it seems like they're a lot like companies are just one they're acknowledging it they're acknowledging how shitty cheating is and mm-hmm. they're being a little more proactive to you know combat it in one way and also to acknowledge the, the effect that it has on the people who just want to play the game in the way that it was intended exactly i mean this is also building on the string of anti-cheating actions that have been taken i mean game industry companies have been taken on other third parties who produce cheating tools for games like Fortnite or Apex Legends, things like that. that, You know, some streamers are getting in trouble for clearly being on a stream using these cheats like aimbots and things of that nature. And it's nice to see that this new generation is not only bringing with it the tighter relationship between gamers and their games, but to also try to clear out any of the obstructions and hurdles that prevent people from enjoying their games to the fullest. So totally applaud this. That's awesome. Yeah. I believe uh, it was like outriders. They put out something where you'd be permanently branded as a cheater (laughs) if you're caught (laughs) in their game. So yeah, Yeah. I'm loving that. Um, All right. I got the next topic of the week. Top topic of the week. So this is a follow-up on the uh, previous week's story. You know, the the big earth-shaking announcement that uh, MLB The Show would be coming day one to Xbox Game Pass. And people were saying the tides have been turned and all that stuff. Well, this... Uh, Microsoft pulling out the rug from under <laughs> Sony. <laughs> yeah, and there's all these speculations that Microsoft showed up with a boatload of cash, ripped the game from Sony, yeah. and there's nothing so, Sony could do about it. <laughs> they had no say. Yeah. <laughs> Microsoft and, just <laughs> buying the game industry, everything, Xbox, get the PlayStation X. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this is a follow-up to that, and this is just a confirmation by way of inverse that it will be the show um, coming to Game Pass was actually a decision by the MLB. So, yeah, uh, (laughs) as part of the goal of this year's game, MLB decided to bring the franchise to more players and baseball fans. A PlayStation representative told Inverse, shout out to Tony and Tunji, this decision provides a unique opportunity to further establish MLB The Show as the premier brand of baseball video games. Um, So, yeah, basically they were just, uh, this is a decision by the MLB. Um, This is in line with, MLB the show even going cross-platform instead of being a Sony exclusive. Um, they they decided that, you know what, we want this on Xbox. We want this to get out to as many gamers as possible. And they see that many people are on Xbox Game Pass. And rather than saying, you know what, we want $60 from each individual gamer, we just want this game in the hand of as many people as, pop- as possible. And so by putting it on xbox game pass this already valuable uh resource for people to play video games it's now a way to get this game into a younger audience what do you think about the move ado i think it's it's a very smart move on the part of mlb in general could because you know with the lockdown with the pandemic that we've been going through and we're almost out of there's been a significant drop in viewership for sports, especially baseball. So I see this also as an attempt to try to stimulate interest in the sport again by not only putting the game in more people's hands, but putting it on a service where 
they'll just be able to get it as part of something that they already have rather than something that they'll have to go out and spend 60 or $70 to buy. Uh, I also see it as a good move because on a personal level, I don't think that sports games should be exclusive to any particular platform. Like some sports need to be enjoyed by anybody and everybody on whatever they could possibly play it on because that's good for the sport. That's good for the sports community in general. And that's good for everybody, every company that would support that game. Uh, lastly, I think it's just a good move because it also demonstrates that when it comes to licensed properties and exclusivity at that manner, that I believe the license holder should have more say in what's going on with those, with those games. Like for instance, you look at an EA or somebody who has the exclusive license for Madden NFL. They have this, they had the exclusive license for Star Wars. And it's like those kinds of things are enjoyed by far too many people for any one company to be the only avenue for interactive content in those realms. So it, I like this. It also reflects well on Sony for not standing in the way of that happening because for the players, right? <laughs> Greatness awaits, right? So, you know, this is awesome. I think this is a great move. Is And it also puts to bed all the conspiracy theories about the Xbox money had pulling out delays and <laughs> things like that. Yeah, if anything, like speculating, it gives the idea that now, because I know like people might've thought like, oh, this is just a one-off thing. Um, they, it won't be... Like the next, the next uh, MLB the show probably won't be on Game Pass, but knowing that this was a decision by the MLB, that would I would assume that, that would mean that they would want to continue this and have this continue to be as accessible as possible to as many gamers. So um, yeah, if anything, that it kind of pushes the idea that this might continue to be an annualized franchise on Xbox Game Pass as well. Exactly. I would uh, echo that sentiment too. I love the idea of an engaged license holder, um, not being not meaning like EA being the license holder, but you know, the actual NFL and their and what they do with their license, the license or Marvel and as you said, Star Wars, because there was just so long that they would just kind of be like, oh, this company just showed up with a a a boatload of cash and said that they can make a video game for us, and so we just let them sign the contract and hold on to that for ten years. Um, I think they're understanding more as they're as companies are getting more savvy to the idea that these licensed games are a way to also build their brand and building that brand then has far reaching effects that are not only to gaming within gaming, but it's people wanting to watch the sport, people wanting to play the sport. Um, yeah. And all that. So it's, you want to be as engaged with your license as possible and knowing who's using it, who has access to it and who doesn't has, who doesn't have access to it in order to try to get it to as many people as possible to build that brand. So yeah, I, I, I love this move and hopefully we'll see just more of that, especially with like NFL. I know EA holds the, uh, this is a weird one. When I was reading, when I was researching this story, I was reading about the NFL license and EA holds the license to um nfl simulated gaming so 2k they are coming out with a football game i believe next year or this year but it's going to be more focused around i guess like story mode 
<laughs> and things along those lines. So and you can play as the pythons or the cougars. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no. They so they have the license. Like they have they they have a license with the NFL Players Association, and I believe the NFL. It's just they can't make Madden style of games. <laughs> so, so they can't make a simulation, a football simulator. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's so, so who knows what that's going to turn into? Like what that's going to be? Maybe it'll be a great game. Who knows? But yeah, it's a it's a weird thing. And once again, EA, you can give EA shit for that. But the NFL, for some reason, just keeps giving EA that license, which means they're happy with the with the route that I guess Madden is going and the player base that's behind that. Um, well, that, yeah. that kind of plays into. Uh, one final note that I have about this, just in a broader sense, I think, well, I don't think it's pretty demonstrable and pretty obvious to anybody with a set of eyes and half a brain cell that video games have come significantly further now than they were back when these license deals first began, or even back when they really got going. It's, it's to the point where as someone who who is in control of a license or someone who is issuing a license, you can't just sit back and collect the check anymore because gaming is so big and games are just so well-made that you, you really run the risk of some pretty terrible products getting out there and tarnishing your brand. You also run the risk of just not enough products getting out there to satisfy consumer demand because in any of these these different universes whether it's sports whether it's marvel whether it's star wars with the films and everything there is a tremendous audience out there that wants nothing more but quality content to be able to enjoy to further cement their relationship with these ips so it's time for the license holders to step up have a bit more quality control, have a bit more say. And like, you just can't get the check anymore. It's games aren't so simple that you can just rely on the developer to get it right every time. That's not going to happen. So, you know, you got to have some kind of shared vision. There's got to be some manner of cooperation and they need to work together in order to yield the best product for the consumers, which in turn will get them bigger checks on the back end sir all right let's get into the next topic of the week topic of the week uh i know you have uh you have a big one do you want to get into that now or you want me to to, to jump into something in the middle? i'll let you i'll let you jump in i did two in a row <laughs> okay so uh you know what? we'll do this one uh E3. We got some E3 updates. So the previous week, uh, I believe it is a story on, um, you know, the confirmation that there wasn't going to be a paywall for E3 because, you know, people were trying to start rumors like, oh, they're going to charge us for this all digital event. And there's gonna be content that we can't see unless we pay. And uh, the ESA came out and they're like, nah, son, everything is going to be free. It's going to be an all digital event and we will have more updates to come. And over the week, we got some more updates, a dub. The updates being confirmations of who will be taking part in E3 2021. So let me just read oh. some business by way of IGN. We're Ta- getting the players. Yes, getting the players involved. Uh, taking place from June 12th to the 15th, E3 2021 is confirmed to include appearances from Nintendo, Xbox, 
Capcom, Konami, Ubisoft, Take-Two Interactive, WB Games, and Koch Media. Uh, let's see, keep, keep moving forward. Sony is... Something, cons- something's missing. Oh, you're getting there. <laughs> yes, sir. Sony is conspicuous uh, by its absence on that list, and we've contacted the company for comment. Other major missing companies include EA, who recently have been hosting their own EA Play event during E3's timing, Square Enix, Sega, Bandai Namco, Tencent, 505, and Activision Blizzard. Uh, ESA makes clear that the list of partners marks early commitments, so other publishers and developers still have time to get on board. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, um, I guess the question for you, A-Dub, uh, this E3, this will be the first E3 post uh, next-gen, so I guess now current-gen console releases. Um, so what what would be your expectations for E3? Um, I know there's a lot that, like, for the companies I, that they could catch us up on, especially with uh, the console releases, the uh, production, all that good stuff. But yeah, the games. So get into it, A-Dub. What are your expectations, especially being a now Xbox One X holder, no, Xbox Series X holder. And, and it's basically a One X. <laughs> yeah, and soon to be PlayStation Look there. <laughs> owner. Uh, my expectations, I mean, last year's E3 was more prospective, looking forward to the new generation of hardware and what the future of games is going to be. That, of course, is the general theme of these conventions and shows, what's coming up. But now that these consoles are in the wild, it, I feel like there's going to be a greater focus on what to expect now and in the near future. So I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to be available over the remainder of the 2021 year. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just hoping that we see new games that are pretty much done and almost ready to be released. I mean, I, I really don't know, man. I just, I just want to see more stuff. Like I'm hoping now with the the Xbox acquisition of Bethesda Zenimax Corporation complete, we can finally get more information about Starfield. That's the big one that I'm expecting to finally get some kind of info blowout and a release date in the near future. Uh, I mean, Activision Blizzard, there's always a chance for them to say something about Diablo 4. I imagine they're definitely going to be saying stuff about the Diablo 2 remaster that's coming later this year. Uh, They could also always save that information for BlizzCon. So fingers crossed on that one. I think, Uh, uh, you know, like with the state of plays, I know... Some like people have felt like you know somewhat underwhelming, yada yada. Um, one of the big games that are, that's supposed to come out, I believe, this year that we haven't seen, Thor Ragnarok. You think that would be a place where we would first see gameplay? That was a great film. I think you mean God of War, right? Yeah, God of War. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Damn, am I gonna watch Thor? Oh, Thor. Is Thor Ragnarok out? I'm th- oh no, yeah. Thor Ragnarok was. Out. It's Love and Thunder. I'm thinking it's coming later. <laughs> yes, yes. Which is going to be even more awesome. Yeah, God of War. Yeah. I Sony's Sony got to show us something. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that they're probably if they don't end up signing up to be a part of E3, which I wouldn't be surprised about anyway. If they didn't, I wholeheartedly imagine there would be a a big state of play, maybe a 30-minute showing, show off some new stuff. They've gotten most of the big stuff out of the way, but they're now it's time for us to see what Horizon's going to be doing, 
it's time for us to see what God of War might look like. It's time for us to see what Gran Turismo is going to be doing. Uh, Returnal is going to be out in the wild. So there probably won't need to be any additional coverage about that unless Housemark has some kind of additional content come in. Maybe, maybe we can update on some post-launch content for Godfall if it was successful enough for such a thing. Uh, but the only thing I really look forward to when it comes to E3 are the new IPs, man. I, I want to see new indie games. I want to see new new big-budget games. I want to see the stuff that's going to be shaping the landscape of the next five to ten years. I want to see those seeds. How about yourself? What are you expecting? I mean, there's a couple of things. It'd be interesting to see if this is where we finally see the uh, the next PSVR headset. We've seen the controllers. Oh, yeah. About. That could be a big point for E3 for Sony. Yeah, because I know a lot of people, they say, like, why announce, like, the way that they've announced the uh, everything about the new PSVR has been either through PlayStation blog or in, like, an interview on Wired. <laughs> so um, to have, like, a big blowout event to really showcase it, that would be a good move, I think, for Sony. I just don't know what their release window is for the, the next uh, VR headset. Um, I know a big thing, I think, in general, is just next-gen games, as you're saying. Uh, people have kind of felt like, all right, we have these consoles, but we're still playing cross-gen games, so we're just basically playing better versions of our current games. Um, and so, yeah, this would be, I think, the time to you know, start announcing what at least we can expect for next year. Um, I, I'm pretty sure Microsoft will probably roll out something with Halo, but I'm, I'm hoping to see, yeah, as you're saying, like something with what they've been working on with all these first party studios that they've acquired now uh, see some of those games that they have coming down the line. Um, Cause yeah, we've, we already know what's coming this year. I mean, Halo has been delayed enough. Uh, so that's already going to be a big one. Um, yeah. Let's, let's start seeing what they have planned now with these uh, studios. We, um, we, we enjoyed Bethesda world when Bethesda had its own conference. Maybe we'll see that come, come back to Microsoft and they have that summer event planned, so we'll see what happens. Exactly. And then Nintendo, I mean, definitely some more games. We haven't seen what is to come of, I, I believe it was the Metroid Prime like trilogy that was, or Metroid Prime like remake or remaster that was supposed to come out. We don't know what's going on there. So, I mean, what's going on with Metroid Prime 4? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's been like, it's been at least. It's been at least one solid year since that was announced. I met, I feel like that was announced back in like 2019. Yeah, I, I want to say it's title been, card. Yeah, I want to say it's been like two to three years since we heard about that game. Um, so yeah, that's that's one of those games that if you're gonna bring it back, that would be yeah, bring it back now. Um, that would be something you want to show up to E3 with. I know there's been a lot of talk about uh, a Switch Pro. Um, so that could be a possibility to show up at E3. I oh, mean, the yeah. thing, like what we're discussing is that at this point, Nintendo, for sure, they've done such a good job with their directs. They almost don't need E3. Um, state of plays, I feel like they're up and down depending on people's expectations for what they want to see from the state of play. But yeah, Sony can still put on their own event. This is now, I think this is a... This is a place where if people have a, a big belief in, you know, the console wars, this is where you want to show up strong for Microsoft and Sony 
to um especially if uh, this this event is going to have the eyeballs and now just be more accessible to the greater audience as opposed to the uh you know the the journalists the IGNs of the world now everybody will have access to everything um you want to show up in a big way and so i think if um for microsoft's case People are always saying, as you said, the console is absolutely awesome. Now, just start showing me the game. So this would be a time for them to show up with their games. And for Sony, it's, um, yeah, uh, keep on keeping on, and which means let's see what new IP you have coming, and let's see what's going on with the games that you've told us about but haven't necessarily shown us gameplay of. So I know, like, with God of War, people... People are discussing it like it's, like, vaporware in a way as of right now, even though you know it's going to come out. Um, like... They, they just don't know when it's going to come out. And so if it is coming this year, now is the time to show it. And I believe E3 would be that place. So we will see. So for the big three, I'll break it down on a one game per company basis. Sony, I want to see Horizon Forbidden West in action moving. Nintendo, I want to see Project Triangle Strategy. I want a deep dive. And I want to see some like middle game, like after the beginning of the game kind of gameplay, I want to see more of the complexity and strategy involved with that. Microsoft, I want to see Starfield. Gotta see Starfield. If we if we go through E3 and we do not see Starfield in motion, failure. Yeah. No, it would be a good move by E3, like just speaking of all this, because like, yeah, we have all the big publishers. You had mentioned indie, and that is, it'd be interesting if they decided to take it on themselves to have their own kind of indie event, because I know like when we went to E3, a lot of those indie games, the word of mouth is really getting out there through a lot of the demos. And so with this being an all digital event, you lose that demo, that demo group that's going to show up, play these indie games and then talk about them through their blogs or, or, you know, just like video game showcases. So it'd be awesome if the ESA took it upon themselves to have their own indie showcase so that those games can still have their moment in the light, as opposed to having to rely on, you know, Sony or Microsoft take some time out of their event to showcase some indie games. I'd be totally down for that. I think indie games deserve far more consideration than they've been given in the mainstream and more traditional channels. Like, of course, there's the PAX show, Penny Arcade. I mean, they have PAX West, PAX East. I feel like indie games deserve to be brought out of these small corners and brought into the spotlight because they are the single greatest source of originality and creativity. And they've also matured so rapidly, so immensely that they easily rival modern games, AAA games, as they are today. Uh, even to the extent that there are games that are taking concepts and mechanics from indies. I mean, indie games are the sole reason that roguelikes are back in fashion. And now we're seeing games like Returnal and you know Warhammer's got a roguelike coming out in a couple months or next month. And it's we're just seeing we're seeing the influence, we're seeing the impact. Now it's time for the spotlight. Bring indie games to the front, especially if the AAA games are going to be fewer and far in between, or if they're going to be announced too soon and not really, you know, expounded upon at the moment of reveal or announcement. It's 
we got you got to fill out the show. Give people more content, not more anticipation. I would say. Yeah, I like I know like with uh, like when Microsoft or Sony a lot of times when they do have their moment for indie games is always kind of a sizzle reel. So like they don't have yeah. they don't take the time to really um showcase the games and really give you a deep dive into like at least some of the gameplay mechanics of these games and that's usually the selling point is the gameplay like once you get an idea of how the game works and the gameplay that's what's going to sell you it's not going to be necessarily just the graphics because they always have a different look necessarily that's different from that that triple a quality and so yeah like uh i would like to get a little more of a showcase beyond a sizzle reel of like here are all these games and titles yeah. and you figure it out what's going on <laughs> 30 xbox games and 60 30 indie games in 60 minutes on game pass it's like whoa like that looks cool that looks cool like wait 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 yeah. <laughs> like show me this stuff why are you guys just glossing over it as if it's like this is going to be here but it doesn't really matter let's yeah. talk to you about halo infinite which we pushed back to 2022 yeah <laughs> It's like, why are you, why aren't you respecting my time and my interest as a gamer? Like, it, if it costs money, show it to me. I want, I want to give you my money. Don't just, don't just roll this bin of amazing stuff past me. Like, yeah, all that's gonna be over there. But let's look at this thing that's still on the truck in Wyoming. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> show me what you got. <laughs> Get swifty with it and show me what you got. Yes, sir. Uh, All right. Well, let's get into the next topic of the week. Topic of the week. So it's a a bit multifaceted. There's a bit going on because uh, people are saying things. Reports are coming out. Jason Schreier is getting involved. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. Uh, Bloomberg put out an article talking about Sony in their approach to how they make games. Specifically, the headline reads, Sony's obsession with blockbusters is stirring unrest within PlayStation Empire. So this is based on a report that uh, there was a small team that wanted to give a go at making a remake of The Last of Us, beloved franchise, beloved game, seven years old, eight years old, I believe. And apparently, Sony was like, nah, son, we're going to let somebody else do that. <laughs> and they, they gave the project to Naughty Dog. So a little side story that's in this headline, which you probably already surmised yourself. Apparently, there's a remake of The Last of Us in the works. So we can look forward to that one day. But the bigger story is just Sony's approach to how they're, how they're handling games. I mean, uh, I've seen words like, too big to fail and things like that, where Sony is focusing more on the successful products than really taking risks with making anything new or making anything smaller or taking a risk on a smaller team, making any kind of high profile project. Uh, This also culminated in a report that there was a pitch for a sequel to Days Gone that was rejected by Sony. And, you know, of course, people are taking all this information as they see fit without necessarily reading the articles. And it's getting pretty crazy online. But AMC, do you have any greater information or any insight you want to add to this? 
No great information. Um, I guess the only comment I have, since it's all like speculation, is I don't know. I I saw a headline the other week that's like there's there's infighting between Sony West and Sony Japan, <laughs> like all this oh, stuff. Boy. So like there's like I don't know. I I feel like this narrative is kind of like you're trying to build this narrative that Sony has like many heads and it's going in all these directions and hasn't really chosen like one clear path to move forward. But as you said, with this article, it seems like they've chosen a clear path and that's big, I guess. Or did you, are you getting to that, the whole blockbuster thing? Well, the whole blockbuster thing, like first I just wanted to go into a little detail about yeah. that. That last of us remake, there was apparently a 30 person team that wanted to work on remaking the last of us. Apparently Sony was like, nah, son, that's just, that's too expensive. And they moved that team over to help support development of The Last of Us 2. As you know, The Last of Us 2 has been out for almost a year now. So when that project was completed, Sony moved Naughty Dog developers onto that project <laughs> and made it a Naughty Dog thing. Uh, this 30-person te- this team also apparently passed on making a remake of the first Uncharted game in favor of trying to take on the last of us so that's an interesting take on that uh, we talked about the pitch with days gone too and then there's the overarching approach sony has to just blockbuster games uh, let me see uh, sony's upper management's primary focus on blockbuster games that are too big to fail comes at the expense of riskier more expensive projects if the picture painted is an accurate one Sony may be losing a key facet of its identity. It's not only been a hallmark of the company since its earliest days, but it's also directly responsible for some of the PlayStation's biggest hits over time. That blurb I wholeheartedly agree with because a lot of the coolest and greatest games of the past came from PlayStation hardware. I mean, we wouldn't have a lot of the games that we enjoy today if the PlayStation never came along. And that was all a result of Nintendo being reluctant to move to the CD format, which allowed Sony to step into the game that allowed Square to then depart from Nintendo, their relationship, move over with Sony, make Final Fantasy VII, one of the probably the most successful Final Fantasy that there's ever been. Then we get you know, Gran Turismo, we get Ridge Racer, we get Toshinden, we get Metal Gear Solid, we get Devil May Cry, we get God of War, we get Twisted Metal, we get Infamous. We get all these wonderful new IPs that just kept coming down the conveyor belt as if there was no end. So this idea that within Sony's management that suddenly those, those kinds of risks and those kinds of projects aren't what they're about anymore, that definitely suggests that there's something going on within Sony where their identity is either shifting or is being lost. So while they're still putting out great games, it is a little disheartening to hear that it's possible that you know the Sony that made the gaming industry what it is today may be fading. Yeah, I don't know. Um... As we discuss like week to week with like the trolls, there's this narrative building that Sony is losing their way. They're going back to the PS3 Sony, yada yada yada. Arrogant Sony's back. Yeah, the arrogant Sony. Um, 
I, I don't know. We if, only if, make hits. If, like, if, yeah, like remember there is the period where people were mad at Sony because they were indie station and they didn't care about making like good like triple uh, A games. They just wanted to be the, the console that the platform that was all about indie games. Mm-hmm. Um, and now people are upset because now like apparently they're focused on blockbuster games. Yeah. So who knows? Um, there's all these there's there's all these speculations of what Sony's doing. I think it's one of those things like they have to actually make a string of bad games and uh, games that are just unappealing for then for me to lose interest in them. Uh, because I don't I don't mind like as I I'm playing Nintendo. I'm playing my like eleventh Mario game <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, so I, I have no problem with like a company you know, just going back to the same whale and figuring out a new way to work with their uh, old properties uh, to bring them into like a a modern generation with a different style of play or whatever. Uh, I don't mind seeing companies do that. It's just make a damn good game. And that's all that matters to me. I will say I didn't get The Last of Us 2, but I did get Ghost of Tsushima and I absolutely love that. I bought Final Fantasy VII Remake, which technically is a, I guess, a limited, a timed exclusive, who knows. Um, but yeah, um, I, I, I think it's too early to start saying that Sony's losing its way. It's yeah. uh, especially because of the fact that like Microsoft has made a lot of great decisions um, up until this point, especially with the acquisitions, Game Pass, yada, yada, yada. On paper. Yeah, and, and so <laughs> that's the point is everything's on paper. And then all the speculation to Sony is reportedly, but we actually haven't seen Sony really stumble with like a string of bad games, um, which is you can, we can't get a PlayStation 5 console because motherfuckers just keep buying them because everybody wants a PlayStation 5. So as much as people are speculating that Sony's losing its way, I I will have to see it first before I believe it, as opposed to what people want me to believe. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, we at Control Issues are very much fans of letting things breathe a little bit, letting it pan out to try to see where the truth is. I, I know, especially with how all the stories about the development culture and crunch and the, the development issues in CD Projekt Red hit the, hit the news wire that, you know, maybe you just want to let the dust settle a little bit before you start forming a final judgment. So, you know, this definitely doesn't paint a very rosy picture about the future of gaming on Sony's platforms, but at the same token, look at all the hits. <laughs> so, I mean, their their approach may not be producing as many new IPs and as many like new and original games as they have in the past, but they still are producing new and original IPs that are just largely more successful than anything that they've ever done in the past. So, what whatever it is that's going on internally at Sony, it is yielding a positive result. Yeah. And if that's the result that they're after, then that's just the Sony that we're going to have to deal with. If that means that we can continue to get games like, you know, hopefully Returnal's a great game. You know, we're getting the best God of Wars that have ever been made. The Last of Us 2, you'd say what you will about the story, but the gameplay, the structure, the production quality is second to none. Like It dwarfs everything around it. Ghost of Tsushima, new IP from a developer that you never even thought would make a game like that. You know, that that just set the world on fire unexpectedly. I mean, Spider-Man's back. 
in the biggest way possible. So they're doing a lot of things right. Just because they aren't doing the things that you want them to do doesn't mean that they aren't doing things that benefit you or that you can enjoy. Yeah, and it's also one of those things like um, the correlation might not be like, what is that? Causation isn't necessarily correlation, whatever that phrase is. But um, so two things that do seem to connect with this story is a lot of their big games lately, we've been hearing a lot of stories about them getting either TV show adaptations or movie adaptations. And so this idea of blockbuster is literally blockbuster. If you were saying that there's a, a suit in Sony, who's like, we want games that we know can eventually make it into other forms of media, mm-hmm. i.e. Yeah, TV shows and movies. So that might be just a prevailing thought in there as far as like, we need to have like maybe one of those games every year so that we can then spin that off into, you know, generating money in other ways that aren't necessarily just in the form of gaming so that that could be a part of it but that isn't necessarily saying that we're only making those games like and i think that's what people are trying to say is that they're basically saying these are the only games we're going to be making moving forward or games that could end up having a show on hbo or netflix or a movie yada 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 um they might be yeah and so i i think there's that thought might be seeping into people's minds like this is all they care about especially building on the idea of like movie game sony and that's all they do but i i I still say like give it more time and let's see if that's actually the case or not and then let's look at it going in the other direction if they're making products that they want to be adapted into film and television then that means those products are going to have to be developed with the level of quality and care that adapts to film and television, which means you're going to be getting games with better stories. You're going to be getting games with better characters. You're going to be getting games with more believable and more interactive worlds. You're going to be getting games with better gameplay mechanics that will translate to film and television. All this works together to yield better end results on both ends of the spectrum, not just for the purpose of cashing an additional check somewhere down the line. But of course, there are some people. <laughs> there are some people <laughs> who don't give a damn about all that. They they like things the way they are. They don't want things to change. They don't want things to be remade. They don't want things to be revisited. Well, they want certain things to be revisited, but other things you better not touch it or we're gonna touch you. We got troll of the week. Troll of the week. Troll of the week. Troll of the week. <laughs> Uh, today's trolls are coming sideways at Sony specifically about the news that there is a remake of The Last of Us in the works. So a lot of you probably already know what The Last of Us is. It's one of the most beloved games ever made. A lot of people thought it did not need a sequel. It came out at the very end of the PlayStation 3's life cycle, which was, you know, overlapped with the beginning of the PlayStation 4's life, ended up getting a remaster for PS4 that saw you get enhanced visuals as well as enhanced performance. That's the version that AMC and I played. So that's our only impression of the game. It's outstanding. One of my favorites of all time. Last of Us 2 came out. Uh, Let's just say mixed reception. (laughs) A lot of people had a lot of things to say in both directions. So these folks... They got stuff to say about this remake. They got stuff to say about Sony's decision-making. Yeah. They just got stuff to say. Next troll is the first troll. 
if this is true, Jim Ryan needs to be fired now before he metrics Sony. Or has he already? (laughs) (laughs) Next Troll says, I heard they're going to release God of War Ragnarok and God of War Ragnarok remake on the same day. (laughs) (laughs) Same day. Same day. Which one you get the news? I'm getting that remake. (laughs) I might get the original. I like like that 30 frames per second. (laughs) I like those low poly models. Next show says, how much are they going to milk this game? Well, that depends. How much milk are you going to keep pouring into the franchise? I mean, you only milk something if there's milk to get from it. So as long as people are going to be paying for it, then you're going to get milked. That's why you got Skyrim (laughs) still. Next show says, The Last of Us is gaining perfection. No need to remake it at all. I would love to see The Last of Us 2 decanonized, though, rewritten and remade. No stupid deaths, no stupid characters that would force to play. Well, you know, you weren't forced to play the game at all. You could have just not played it. (laughs) Then it wouldn't have to be rewritten. It wouldn't have to be remade, because as far as you're concerned, it wouldn't exist. Next troll says, modern gaming at its finest again. How many of you bend over and spread cheek to let them get away with thinking they can make bank off recycling games like this? You can play the remastered original on PS5 for sweet lord's sake. You fools will ingest anything. LOL. Ingest. Ingest anything. Well, first and foremost, as AMC has pointed out several times to me in the pre-show, they're acting like the game is coming out tomorrow. <laughs> like, you just found out that the idea of a remake for The Last of Us is on the table. Like, it's something that's being worked on. So, oh, And how long ago, A-Dub, did The Last of Us come out? Like eight years. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not terribly old, but it's not terribly fresh either. It's like, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was, at this point, it was two whole souls ago. Granted, it came out at the end of one, but an entire console generation elapsed, and we got one sequel last year for that game, and now it's like they're making a remake. And honestly, while The Last of Us was an outstanding game, is an outstanding game, if you haven't played, you should, because it's just one of the best things ever made, it could definitely benefit from a remake. I mean, let's not forget that when The Last of Us came out <laughs> and people had a lot of things to say about a lot of the decisions and the gameplay mechanics that were in the game, uh, those rose-tinted glasses hadn't even been made yet. So we were like, oh, look at, look at Ellie running around in the open and the AI doesn't see her. That's immersion breaking. Oh, look, why did they do that? How did they do And it's like, man, okay. So here we are. It's going to get remade. Who knows? It might get remade with better AI that sticks to hiding and cover better. Maybe they might be dogs. Yeah, might be dogs. Might have some of the mechanics in it that people said were missing from the reveal trailer that didn't crop up in the original in the in the final version of the game, like taking human shields and things like that. So, you know, if you were one of those people who were nitpicking about the original game back when it came out, then you shouldn't be 
refusing the idea of a remake because this is the opportunity for Sony and Naughty Dog to be able to address the concerns people had. It's also their chance to maybe tighten up things that they thought could have been done better on the game. It allows the game to benefit from the modern advances of new hardware and resources that we have. And it's also an opportunity for people to get The Last of Us that they wanted the last of us that continues from the end of the original that gives you the adventures of joel and ellie this is their chance to give you the last of us in a more open environment with more gameplay mechanics with the gameplay of the last of us 2 which i think is just absolutely unbelievable everybody needs to experience that it's an opportunity for this game to be improved even further you may think that it doesn't need any improvements, but, you know, people were fine riding around on horses and buggies for a while until the car was made. Now you don't see horses and buggies anymore, do you? So, you know, let progress take place. In the end, you don't have to buy it. You don't have to play it. It's their money and their time to use to do with what they will. Next troll says, Sony just saw how many morons are willing to pay 70 bucks for an old IP and are going to do it again. It's not surprising, just easy money. So guessing this troll is referring to the Demon Souls remake, which was handled by Bluepoint. Looks phenomenal, hearing nothing but good things about it. More than likely gonna get a copy of it myself. Um, you're also acting as if this is the first time a remake has ever been made. Like, dude, Final Fantasy VII remade. People wanted that. People have been begging for that for 20 years, at least. Uh, what else got remade? I don't even know what else got remade. Well, all those Resident Evil remakes, remake, remake two, remake three. People begging for those, salivating, waiting. And none of those prevented the development of further entries into the franchise. Resident Evil 7 came out, a completely new spin and refresh to the Resident Evil formula. Resident Evil 8's coming out. People are over the moon for that due to Lady Dimitrescu doing it with her canonized 17.3 inch feet, or what is it, 13.7 inch feet, something like that. Yeah, motherfuckers are going wild on the internet. Next show says, I'll wait for the remastered remake. Thanks. <laughs> Next show says, this is the perfect opportunity for them to make Joel a gay Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. There's always one. Yeah. Always one. Next show says, this guy, Jim Ryan, sounds like Sony's Don Metric. Hmm. I mean, they haven't told us to just play a PS4 yet, so let's give Sony some room on the leash there. Next troll says, no need to remake The Last of Us, but they can remake The Last of Us 2 into a game that doesn't have a shit story and an even worse ending. But I thought the ending was fine. I thought the story was great. It's an awesome game. It portrayed the juxtaposition of the ambiguity of conflict and revenge and how revenge can consume you to the point that you forget about the revenge completely and you lose everything. Next troll says, The Last of Us, Jerry Edition. The Last of Us, Retcon Edition. The Last of Us, The Lazy Cash Grab Edition. 
Yeah, cash grab. Cash grab. Lazy cash grab. Let's get one of our most notable studios on it. Let's spend several years and hundreds of millions of dollars on it. And then let's just put it out there and make some money. <laughs> so lazy. So much cash. Next troll says, I swear, Jim Ryan is secretly a Microsoft employee tasked with ruining PlayStation. God, get rid of this guy. <laughs> ruining PlayStation. So remaking one of the best games that ever came out on PlayStation hardware is ruining the brand. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or let's see, focusing on getting the most out of your biggest titles is ruining PlayStation. Focusing on your products, which can be adapted to other mediums is ruining PlayStation. I I don't understand how PlayStation's focus on their more successful products is somehow hurting them. I mean, sure, I can see it. I can see it hurting the gamer in a way who thinks that, oh, well, we're not we're not getting as many games as we want. We're not getting as many risky titles as we want. I would say to them, you have indie games and you keep ignoring them. Sony has a whole internal division headed by Shuhei Yoshida that is focused on relations between independent developers and Sony. Like, and they put out independent games all the time. So if you want these new and original products, if you want these risky products, they're there. What you're trying to do is get them to put a hundred million dollars into into a, a big budget risk, and that's just kind of foolish from a business perspective, especially when you've already found the formula that yields the greatest return. At the same token, it also yields the greatest experience, according to reviews and consumers who have played the games who have come out as a result of this decision making. Would you have to add, AMC? I was just going to say, like, Nintendo has made a boatload of cash porting a bunch of Wii U games over to the Switch, um, and nobody's complaining. Those games literally, like, had just come out, a lot of these games. (laughs) Um, So, like, obviously, slightly different situation, because not everybody owned a Wii U, but people did own Wii U's, and it didn't matter. Nintendo was like, we are releasing, re-releasing all of these games on the Switch, and everybody was like, hell yeah here's all my cash. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, if people are willing to buy it, then why not do it? You can get it to another audience on a better platform. Um, And even, you know, with Mario Super 3D World, they added an expansion. And this game, and for The Last of Us uh, remake, they're going to add some extra content in there, probably uh, change up a little bit of the gameplay and modernize the game. So I have no problem with it. If people want to just hop on to that and experience at the game that they loved, but in a better way possible. So for people who throw around the phrase lazy cash grab and things like that, I just wonder how they go about making money in their lives. Like, are they always gunning for a higher position? Are they opening their own businesses? Like, are they taking risks that don't return the greatest amount of money and just like doing it for the love of the game or are they just sitting at a desk doing a job that they're good at because the paycheck is steady 
Are they just sitting there following the path of least resistance because that's what pays the bills? It's like, you want to talk about lazy cash grab. Let's start looking in the mirror and seeing exactly who's sitting there lazily grabbing cash with the least amount of effort, with the least amount of risk. Because Sony's putting up the money. They're directing the manpower and they're putting out the products that they hope will do the best. They're the ones taking the risk, especially with people like this on the net decrying their every action and decision as something negative. So I don't know. Maybe we can talk about it next week. <laughs> AMC, you got any other topics of the week? Top, top of the week. Last thing I have is Mass Effect Legendary Edition oh, has man. gone gold. Oh man! Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, so Mass Effect Legendary Edition uh, expected to come out on May fourteenth has now gone gold. So we can now just sit back and wait it out. Mm-hmm. And a month from now. We'll all be hopping in, playing as a shepherd, fem chef, maybe male chef. Fem chef on that Mass yeah. Effect three, fem chef. You can play in the original. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, awesome. I can't wait. This is a, a quick one, a quick hit, obviously, but it's a big one because when that game comes out, I cannot wait. Hopefully, I will have a next gen console and I will be able to hop on that game and be able to relive everything that I love about that game. Speaking of reliving that game, A-Dub, are you going to relive your choices, or do you think you might change up your approach to the game? Well, I've thought a lot about this, especially after seeing IGN's uh, comparison video of the original running side-by-side with the Legendary Edition with Bioware providing commentary about a lot of the changes and improvements they made to the game, and it's just... I'm first off, I'm thinking I'm more than likely going to be getting this on the Series X because, you know, who knows? I still might not have a PS5 by the time it comes out. But my only Mass Effect experience has been in the Xbox ecosystem. So it would be just due for Microsoft and Xbox for me to not only dive back into the trilogy on their hardware, but to finish it off where it all began where it all belongs. Um, At the same token, with the decisions, I feel like I'm probably going to make some different decisions. Like the big stuff, I'm going to do the same things because I'm, I'm naturally a paragon. But the thing is, I also started the original Mass Effect as just standard Shepard. This time around, I'm going to be going with the Fem Shep from the beginning. So with that, I mean, that's going to that's going to change my idea of. No, it's not. It's not going to change my idea of that. Nah. How about the uh, the class? Uh, tally, are you going to are you going to like for, the? Uh, are you going to well, be doing Tali for life? I'm still going to get with Tali and follow yeah. that through because that's my girl. Uh, how about the uh, the class? Like, are you gonna still go with like you know the the, the soldier? You gonna go with the with the biotic or whatever? Um, well, the the good thing about that is I will have some flexibility in what class I'll be able to choose from the beginning because Bioware is removing the class specific weapon restrictions. So no matter what class you run with, you'll still be able to use your preferred weapon loadout. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first played, I believe I was a soldier. Honestly, I feel like I'll do that again just because that's 
that's a good enough template for me to be able to to lean into the gunplay, which I'm all about, while also being able to add biotics and whatever other abilities on top of it that I feel like I want to dabble with. Uh, because it's, I mean, I've beaten the original. I've beaten part two. I never played part three. I just feel like in order for me to properly close out my my Mass Effect experience, I need to go in and do it as close to the way as I did it originally. So with the character class, I'm probably gonna stick with Soldier. I'm gonna make some different decisions in the mix, just as I'm progressing through the story and carrying those through to future games. Uh, still sticking with Tali, but uh, not doing Mail Shep, doing FM Shep. How about yourself? You get, I, I imagine you're gonna get the Legendary Edition. Are you gonna really try to shake things up? Are you excited to play the original and have that foundation of, of choices that are going to carry over instead of utilizing the comic book that approximated them? Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that part. Um, Mass Effect 2, I actually played twice. So I played full-on Paragon, full-on, was it Renegade? Renegade. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> Renegade. Yeah, I, uh, I played as both. So with that one, I probably will just go straight on Paragon. Uh, I definitely made some choices in 3 that led to certain characters dying that I later learned that they could have lived. So I will definitely be changing that up. <laughs> um, and... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I know with two, I believe I played when I played both ways. I played as uh, was it biotic, um, and then uh, the other one was uh, engineer. I think it was where I could like make like the drone <laughs> that goes out and oh, attacks people. Man, I so, never even thought about that. Yeah, so I, I am gonna just take a look at all the classes again because I, I don't think I ever played a soldier. So I might run a soldier maybe like in the first game and if I can switch it up, change it up in the second game. But uh, I do want to have a somewhat varied experience from how I played in the past, knowing that I already know where it's going to lead to, how it's going to end, possibly, unless they change it up again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now it's going to be more about having fun along the way and really like taking in the moments as opposed to reacting to the moments. So yeah, I think I am going to like change up my experience a, a whole lot this time around, um, but still trying to get the uh, preferred outcomes as opposed to you know the outcomes that i had to just accept based on either the uh the the lack of continuity in between games uh because of the way you know console i, I believe i played on ps2 or i mean i played on ps god damn it i don't remember i played mass effect 2 on a playstation and then that PlayStation it had to have been ps3 yeah playstation 3 i played on ps3 it died um and then i bought a new ps3 because you know ps3 sucked back then and (laughs) i lost i lost all that save files so then i had to just go with a generic like story so none of my decisions from playstation uh from the mass effect 2 carried over to mass effect 3 so uh with that i'm looking forward to that continuity but i am going to change up some of my my choices because i didn't like the uh some of the outcomes in Mass Effect 3, and they were, from what I read and, you know, talking to Don, a former co-worker of mine, uh, had to do with some of the choices that I made in Mass Effect 2. And so um, now being able to see a more preferred outcome with some of the side storylines, not the main storyline, is something that I'm going to be pushing for. Um, so yeah, I will enjoy that aspect of it. And the big thing for me is, 
you're never well maybe you'll get some of it but you're never going to get that complete magic of playing that first game all over again back but with the changes and improvements that they've made it'll be a different kind of magic and it's also it's all going to be nice coming into it knowing how to engage with the game because before it was you know there's always that feeling out period in the beginning of a video game. And with this, like Mass Effect, that feeling out period was, uh, it was pretty long because it, the game was a little janky. <laughs> there were a lot of things to get used to. I mean, people had a lot of things to say about, you know, how the weapons operated earlier on because being an RPG, the weapons and armors are dog shit until you get further into the game upgrade your character, get better skills to help utilize your equipment. But now, like, understanding that growth curve and having a lot of the, the issues and the bugs ironed out, it's going to be a smoother introduction for a lot more people, and I feel it'll make for a more magical experience for those who haven't engaged with the first game at all, like yourself. Like, you're, you're getting the best version of the first game. So <laughs> I'm very excited to hear your thoughts and opinions. Well, I played the first one. I just didn't finish the first one. How far did you get? I haven't. I honestly don't remember. I drove to Mako. I did. I did a lot of the things oh, that people complain about. <laughs> I, uh, I I dealt with all the bad AI issues of the first one. Like a lot Shoot, of the shooting at the mountain is shooting at the ground. <laughs> like all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I sincerely I, hope that they fix that. Yeah, so I I experienced a lot of the first one. I just didn't see the you know the story in its full completion. So that's like that's the big thing that I'm looking forward to is like seeing all of that now, it like that full experience. But yeah, I I played the first one uh, before I got the Red Ring of Death. Um, so yeah, it's uh I am looking forward to seeing like just how seeing how those characters developed because I didn't necessarily have a connection with them. The same connection I should have had jumping into the second game. It was like um, a lot more fresh. You know what it was? Cause especially in mass effect two, uh, some of those characters from the first ones weren't, were no longer available to your party because they had their own, you know, they, their, their storylines branched off into other directions. And so it was more or less, they now became side characters that you ran into. Um, Sony, Garrus McCarrion. Yeah, exactly. What was it, uh, is it Rex or whatever? Um, oh, man. oh man. Uh, what is his name? Yeah, Rex. Yeah. Uh, uh, I miss him, but Grunt was the man. Yeah, that, 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 uh, was that, that genetically superior <laughs> version. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, seeing, uh, having a better connection with those characters from the first one is what I'm looking forward to so that when I do run into them again in the second game, I'll have a, I'll have a little more of an, of a emotional reaction as I like see where they've gone as opposed to like, Oh, that's a guy like I kind of remember. And now he's suddenly running this, this entire clan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's going to be amazing. And just reliving that, Reliving the events of Mass Effect 2 is going to be the big one for me because I think that was such a uniquely and beautifully structured game where it wasn't about the, it wasn't necessarily about saving the universe. It was about the loyalty missions. 
and enhancing your bond with your teammates so that you could survive the <laughs> the suicide mission. So yeah. That's going to be awesome. It just, oh my, I'm, I'm just thinking about it. Like, I'm just seeing the running through the corridors. I'm seeing the, the picking guys off and watching my squad also selecting their targets, taking people down. I'm freezing the guy. They're breaking the guy. He's on fire. He blew that up. I'm directing you over there. Give me some cover. You're stepping in front of a giant mech, laying down your life for me. Oh, Mass Effect 2. Such a masterstroke of game design. (laughs) Do you have anything else, Ada, before we get out of here? Uh, Nothing people need to concern themselves about too much. I mean, Forza Motorsport players are getting invited for hands-on tests of the game after participating in a feedback panel. Uh, EA patenting software that nobody likes. (laughs) Outriders appreciation package is being put together to, you know, help people who are impacted by server issues. The developer is very thankful for everybody who's been playing the game and saying nice things about it. So they want to do their best to reward your participation. Last little hit I have, I think that's it. I mean, the Diablo 2 beta has been going on. You know, people have their mixed feelings about that. Among those mixed feelings is the primary one that it's still a 20-year-old game and still plays like one, which is what you should have expected when they said they were remaking it as faithfully as possible to the original. You got anything? Nah, I got I got nothing else. We're we're at the hour we're at the hour forty five mark. <laughs> That's how we do. And, uh, and we start out this one by saying like, ah, not a ton of content, and then. Next thing you know, it's two hours later. We are the content. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you have any final words, Ada, before we get out of here? Uh, we're, we're, almost, we're almost there. We're almost out of this. But you still have your games. You still have your friends you made, your progress you made. And if you didn't make any progress or any friends, you still have your life. You still have your health. If you don't have your health, well, you still got your life. You're still kicking, so make the most of it while you got it. This is Control Issues. I am the AAC. And this is AAC. We are Control Issues. Thanks for playing. Suckers. Oh, my